Welcome to the QuackCast, a skeptical and sarcastic evaluation of quacks, frauds, and charlatans. Whoops, I'm sorry. I mean alternative and complementary medicine. This is the fourth podcast done in May 2006, today going to cover the clinical trials of homeopathy. This is brought to you as a side project of Pusware LLC, the publisher of the Persiflazer's Annotated Compendium of Infectious Disease Facts, Opinion, and Dogma, your uber-hyperlinked electronic guide to infectious diseases at pusware.com. If you do a search of podcasts in medicine, the bulk of the results will point you to the many sites on complementary and, and alternative medicine, all of which are, well, garbage. There is always the excellent quackwatch.com, which is the source on all things quackery. There are plenty of skeptical sites, with the Skepticality podcast being the best one I have found to date. But there is a lack of podcasts that look skeptically at alternative medicine. This is a shame for at least to judge from the medical school in my neck of the woods, critical thinking and alternative medicine do not appear to go together. And so you are in luck. I'm an infectious disease doctor with a long interest in things skeptical, and I have been honing my podcast skills for the last six months on my infectious disease podcasts. Available, if I haven't mentioned it yet, at Pusswear.com. And so I've decided to branch out my podcasting into the other area of life and medicine that interests me and embark upon what will hopefully be a short series of podcasts covering various aspects of alternative medicine. As Baruch Spinoza said, quote, I have made a ceaseless effort not to ridicule, not to bewail, nor to scorn human actions, but to understand them, end quote. Obviously, this does not apply to me. Ridicule and scorn are my two favorite approaches to alternative medicine because it is all so stupid. And as time goes on, you will see why. And now, on to today's vicious screed. Last week, we looked at the theory behind homeopathy and concluded that it was the dumbest thing on the planet. But perhaps it works after all, because one never knows. Only randomized, clinically controlled trials will help us decide if things have a therapeutic effect. And perhaps the hyper-dilute solutions of homeopathy do have some therapeutic efficacy in some diseases. I mean, if a shaved chimp can be elected twice to the presidency of the United States of America, I would suppose anything is possible. So let's look at the data in the clinical literature on homeopathy. So in medicine, the first thing you do when you want to find out about a topic is you do a medline. So I did a medline using homeopathy as my search word. And there were 3,226 articles that appeared on a medline search using homeopathy. Most of these were, unfortunately, trials that appeared in homeopathy and other similar journals. And most were not clinical trials, but surveys, opinions, case reports. And there was a whole lot of reviews and fluff and not a lot of meat. The standard reply being some article of a nature, alternative medicine used in disease X, a review and uncritical analysis by the gullible. My two favorite articles were one that was entitled Management of Fear of Fireworks in Dogs, which I wish I could get the full reference. And the other was an article in Homeopathy in 2005 entitled Vaccinations for or Against. should have been subtitled Die Like They Did in the Middle Ages or Live a Normal Life. But that's homeopathy journals for you. Now, one of the striking things when you start looking through the literature and trying to find the clinical studies is that most of the studies are in relatively trivial, self-limited diseases that have a significant psychological overlay. 
such as pain, allergies, upper respiratory tract infections, and it's rare to find studies that treat what I would call, quote, real illnesses, unquote. A real illness being one that if you don't treat the patient appropriately, they will have death and or serious disability. Now, my bias is that I'm an infectious disease doctor who treats patients who are in the hospital. And so I would wonder that instead of treating rhinitis, estrogen withdrawal, pain, mastitis in cows, which parenthetically did nothing, no surprise, and chronic fatigue syndrome, how about you put this therapy up against a real illness like bacterial meningitis, endocarditis, lobar pneumonia, etc. No one will do that because the people who run the cemeteries aren't that slow currently. There was, however, an interesting study in looking at this literature that looked at the nature of articles published in what were considered to be peer-reviewed real medicine journals versus complementary and alternative medical journals and found that Conventional journals, when reporting homeopathy studies, reported negative findings 69% of the time, whereas the complementary and alternative medicine journals would report negative studies only 30% of the time. So there's a real selection bias as to what gets published in these journals. I fully understand that since that I am a member in good standing of the medical industrial complex and I think it's important to always support your income flow, no matter how irrational and stupid it might be. So I understand the hesitancy on the part of complementary and alternative medical journals to publish negative studies. So what's a doc to do? You got 3,000 published articles. There's a variety of studies, all using different methodologies. I guess it's time then to move on to the meta-analysis. You take a trusted bunch of statisticians, you give them all the, quote, good studies, unquote, and they determine, after looking at all the data of all the studies, whether or not there's anything that supports a given therapeutic intervention. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, meta-analysis, shmeta-analysis. Meta-analysis are great, and I use them to support my deeply held beliefs, and I ignore them when they counter my deeply held beliefs. But when you have good statisticians publishing in reputable journals, one is inclined to accept the conclusions of the meta-analysis always with a grain of salt substitute of the problems because nobody except the statistician who does the meta-analysis truly understands what the hell they're doing. There have been a variety of reviews of homeopathy and meta-analysis. The first in the Cochrane reviews suggested that the studies were too bad in asthma and could not show any benefit for this disease. Then there was an article published in the British Medical Journal in 91 that looked at 170 homeopathic medicines and found in this study that 77 showed positive effect, and that of the best studies, 15 of the 22 showed efficacy. The next meta-analysis of note was published in The Lancet in 1991. This looked at 186 clinical trials of homeopathy and found that there was a slight increase in efficacy in patients compared to placebo who took homeopathic. There have been other meta-analyses, one in perfusion in 1999 and another in the German literature that I cannot get my hands on that has stated that homeopathy has the same efficacy as placebo. Parenthetically, this whole issue of placebo effect and the important concept of regression towards the mean will be a topic of a future podcast. So in all of the meta-analyses done to date as to whether homeopathy works in general, 
have been variable, and we need a meta-analysis of the meta-analysis. Another question would be, rather than looking at all studies in homeopathy, does it work for a particular condition? The Annals of Internal Medicine in 1999 published a review of the reviews of homeopathy entitled A Critical Review of Homeopathy. They concluded from their review of all the reviews, which is as good as you can get when you're someone like me who can't read all 3,000 articles, is that randomized control studies may be effective in influenza, allergies, ileus, and diarrhea, and it's ineffective in migraine, delayed onset muscle soreness, and influenza prevention. Now, the conclusion of this article I'm going to quote in total is that the evidence of effectiveness of homeopathy for specific clinical conditions is scant, is an uneven quality, and is generally poorer quality than research done in allopathic medicine. They then go on to say, as is always the case, more and better research is needed unobstructed by belief or disbelief in the system, which I think is a cop-out. I think that part of the Annals article is retarded because the basic concept of homeopathy is stupid. And you can't say that we get to suspend the laws of chemistry now just because homeopathy says they no longer count. Then they go on to say, until homeopathy is better understood, it is important that physicians be open-minded about homeopathy's possible value and maintain communication with patients who use it. I think open-mindedness is best, but not when your brain falls out of your cranium. And it still remains that homeopathy is stupid. However, the 2003 article in the Annals, I think earlier I said 1999, is a nice review of all the reviews of homeopathy, even though the whole complementary and alternative medicine series in the Annals of Internal Medicine has been the product of weasels. That, too, will be a topic of future podcasts. So then the meta-analysis don't help us to date, either for specific conditions related to the treatment with homeopathy or with homeopathy as a whole, or do they? That brings us to the final article published in The Lancet. This article was published this year and entitled are the clinical effects of homeopathy placebo effects, a comparative study of placebo-controlled trials in homeopathy and allopathy, allopathy being what real doctors do. And they looked at 110 homeopathy trials and 110 matched conventional medicine trials and found that the better the study and the bigger the study, the less benefit was found in homeopathy, which is always true in all of the alternative medicine literature. As the studies get better, the effect fades away. And they say, quote, this finding is compatible with the notion that the clinical effects of homeopathy are placebo effects. This is the best meta-analysis done to date that looked the most rigorously at the clinical trials. And because it supports my pre-held biases, I obviously think it is the best of the trials. Accompanying this is a nice editorial called The End of Homeopathy. And I quote the last sentence that says, Now doctors need to be bold and honest with their patients about homeopathy's lack of benefit and with themselves about the failings of modern medicine to address patients' needs for personalized care. However, the argument is not over and will never be over. Belief in the irrational is never altered by facts. And in fact, the Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine has a whole edition 
devoted to a rebuttal of the Lancet meta-analysis and why it is wrong. That leads me to what I will now call, based on my raging arrogance, Chrislip's first law in analysis of alternative medicine. Now, the one thing no one can ever argue with is quantum mechanics, mostly because quantum mechanics is so weird and so complicated that nobody really understands it outside of a few physicists, I'm sure. As a physics major in college, I studied quantum mechanics. I never understood quantum mechanics. But in this rebuttal edition of the Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine is a guest editorial by Dr. Weinergartner on the homeopathic mechanism from the viewpoint of quantum mechanical paradox. And they are saying that the effects of quantum mechanics, specifically those of entanglement, are related to the effects one sees in homeopathy. So here's my rule. You know with 100% assurance that when someone credits quantum mechanics for the effects that they see in complementary and alternative medicine, it's an absolute crock. So that brings us to the end of our review of the review of the clinical studies in homeopathy, a bad series of clinical studies with the most recent and best meta-analysis suggests that, not unsurprisingly, homeopathy is a crock. And that brings us to the end of our quack cast, an occasional review and rant on alternative medicine, brought to you as a side product of Pusware.com. You can find the references here on my webpage at www.quackcast.com. Send your hate mail and spam to knowitall at quackcast.com. The music is by my son when he was 12, improvising on his guitar. Now, if you want, if you'll excuse me, I need to go get my quantum entanglement unentangled. Finally, this is copyright 2006 by Mark Chrislop, Pusware, LLC. Thank you. Indictation. Goodbye.